0: Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is Celebration. This is our family. Welcome home.
1: Let's all stand together Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. And again, good morning to our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point. And good morning to our second service here in Green Bay. You're watching me via video this morning because it's Packer Day and I have tickets for the gates. And I'm not here with you right now. I'm on my way. <clears throat> we just came up with this a week ago. I, was, uh, I got a call from uh, Patrick, Pat Thompson, who's a friend of ours. Uh, you need to pray for him. He's, he's a Bears fan. And, uh, <clears throat> but uh, he had some extra tickets, and I asked my brother if he'd like them. And uh, he, he's never been the bishop. He, the bishop's here this morning, by the way. Where are you at? Stand up. And, uh, <clears throat> so I uh, saw you guys over there. Can't see him, But anyway, um, uh, he's never been to a Packer game, which there's a good chance he wouldn't make it into heaven. So, I thought, we need to to set your soul right. So, uh, we got tickets now. There are two tickets inside and two tickets outside. So, the four tickets. And we also invited uh, his son, my nephew. Dave, stand up. Can you get a white shot? Video people. This is... (laughs) Oh, man, we were out of control last night. But anyway, uh, uh, he's coming. so, the old guys go inside. And the young guys sit outside today. uh, uh, Pastor Mike, is that right? Stand up. I'm sorry, you guys over in Portland. I I don't know if you guys can see us in Appleton, but we have all these dignitaries here this morning. So these young guys freezing, the old guys, nice and warm, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So hence my attire here this morning. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Uh, I'm going to ask our students to come forward at this time at our campus, we're going to take our offering, because uh, usually we take our offering at the end of the service, but during this season of Advent, we're taking a special offering at the end of our four Sundays of Advent, uh, raising money for our legacy campaign. This is a special offering, special gift, a lot of people have already been responding, but we're only about 20% now, I'm not panicking about that, uh, because we're... Wisconsin people, and we all wait till the last minute to do anything. So we've got today and one more Sunday. But our goal is not a dollar amount. Our goal is 100% participation. I don't care if it's five bucks. Man, do something. Let's get everybody to do something. Be as generous as you can, uh, and whatever that means for you. But let's all do something. And everybody in Point, everybody in Appleton, as a congregation, let's do a special gift to God Uh, which we'll be taking at the end of the uh, service and, again, the last one uh, next week. But this is our regular tithes and offerings. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for the ability you give us to earn income. We now return a portion of what you have given to us back to you to use for your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. And those for you here at the Green Bay campus, we have a, a new store going. What do you call it? It's a quick trip going across, which you're excited about. So all kinds of traffic is going to be screaming by here. We have this big wall. And I said, I wanted to put big posters on that wall like a billboard. Now, I don't know who's responsible for that postage stamp I saw out there. I don't want to know because I'll yell at somebody. But uh, let's not do that. I want it covered. So I don't know how we do that. But the postage stamp wasn't what I was talking about. All right. Everybody say amen. 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 Pastor, good preaching. All right. So let's put a big yo mama sign out there and <laughs> let people know we're here. You know what you think and what other people think is often a whole nother ballgame. You know what I'm saying? I guess you have to be clear. Habla Inglés. I'm not very clear sometimes. Pretty clear right now, though. <laughs> Better it won't happen again. All right. Now, third Sunday in Advent. I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 61. This is the prophet Isaiah prophesying about the Messiah. We're talking about the Advent, celebrating the coming of Christ. And he prophesies this about the Messiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. I love this scripture. Now, Jesus, when he came, uh, we want to jump to uh, Luke the fourth chapter. It says, Then uh, Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee. This is right after he'd been baptized by John the Baptist and was in the wilderness fasting, and now he begins his ministry. And a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll." and found the place where it is written. I don't know how he found it, how that'll work, but he scrolled around, he found it. And he reads this portion of scripture that Isaiah had written so long before. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Well, they got what he was meaning. He's saying, I am the Messiah. I am fulfilling this prophecy. And they didn't particularly accept it very well. We read, as we jump down to verse 28, he says, When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. And they got up and drove him out of the town and led him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so they might hurl him off the cliff. They wanted to kill him. But then he just passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This was prophesied. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy in this first advent when he came into this world. But I want to break this down this morning. We're not going to do it in in a real exhaustive way, but in kind of a light way. But just to point out the uh, wonderful good news of Christ coming to this earth, about him uh, bringing the good news and all these things that we talked about. So we're going to start with the first part of it. He says... That he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed. What does it mean to be oppressed? Looking it up in the dictionary, it says to cause, to feel worried or depressed, to be overwhelmed or to feel crushed. Boy, as I was reading this definition, I thought, man, if that doesn't describe a lot of people today. They are overwhelmed with frets and worries and fears, especially this time of year. Everything gets intense. The in-laws are coming over. We got parties. We got this. We got presents. We got... And people can start getting all freaked out and tensed out, especially if you're a perfectionist by nature. <laughs> they suffer the worst during this time. <laughs> people like me don't care. <laughs> Wee, I'm getting toys, you know, whatever. But uh, so the Bible, he says he's come to bring good news to the oppressed. What is good news to those who are overwhelmed? The good news is you don't have to be overwhelmed. This is the good news. You don't have to feel this way. Now, every man here knows if there's one thing you don't want to tell a woman, it's how to feel. But I'm just telling you, you don't have to feel this way. And the thing about worry, you have to understand, worry is a choice. Now, we often feel, well, I don't have a choice. No, 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 we have a choice. You choose to worry or you choose not to worry. And worry exists in this context. Something comes into your head, and and we're all great movie producers, you know? We make this movie, and we imagine the worst, and what's going to happen, and how horrible it's going to be. And we rehearse it over and over and over in our heads, and then we go back and we reshoot the scene because it's much worse than we thought in the first place. And we reshoot it, and it becomes worse and worse and worse. It actually takes energy and effort to worry. And the Bible warns us about worry. Jesus warned us about it. He gave the parable of the seed about the different kinds of seeds the word of God being spread about. He warned us of this one in Matthew the 13th chapter verse 22. He said the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, make it unfruitful. He warned us about worrying. So how do you not worry? Jesus tells us in Matthew 6:25, "Therefore I tell you, do not worry. <laughs> Now, I started giggling when I read this because his answer to worry is just don't do it, which reminded me of a very funny clip that I saw. Uh, and there's a point in this, but uh, let, me, let me play this clip. This is kind of the Mark Gunger version of counseling, but let's take a look at this clip from, from when Bob Newhart did this skit about uh, getting over your issues. Let's take a look at this. Uh,
0: Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, come in. I'm just just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlyle referred me. Oh yes, feels uh, being very alive in a box. Yes, yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh no, no, no. We don't. We don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat and uh, <laughs> let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I um, I charge five dollars for the for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. Uh, how does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can, I can almost guarantee you that, that our session won't last the full, uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, we don't do any insurance billing. So, you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And, uh, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> <And> go <clears throat> go well tell what? me tell me about the problem that you wish to address oh okay uh, well I have this fear of being buried alive in a box <laughs> I just I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has has anyone ever ever tried to to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. <laughs> so what what you're saying is you're are uh, you are claustrophobic? Uh yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can uh, remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, you're here, here, there. Stop it! Stop it? Yes. S-T-O-P, new word, (laughs) I-T. So, what are you saying? (laughs) You know, it's funny. I I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. (laughs) Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you... you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. It is. Then stop it! I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, child. No, no, no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. It. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box? You got it. Good girl. Well, it's only been... It's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Uh, I only have a five, so. Well, I, I don't. I don't make change. Then I, I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> <sighs> uh, I'm bulimic I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it. But I, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me no, Thaddy. No, no, no. No, we, de- we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. <laughs> just, just stop it. What, what, what else? <clears throat> well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> you you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. Don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh-huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! <laughs> well, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you, you kook! Stop it! You'll stop it! You'll stop it! <sighs> what's, what's the problem, Catherine? Uh, I don't like this! I don't like this therapy at all! You're just telling me to stop it! And and you and you don't you don't like that? No, I don't. So you think we're we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me, uh, let me uh, give you 10 words that I, I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh you want, to, you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here are the 10 words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box! <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. So now, humor is truth with exaggeration. Uh, That's quite an exaggeration, but that's why I giggled when I read this this morning about worrying. Jesus, I tell you, don't do it. (laughs) Stop it. Now, he gives us reasons why we should stop it, and we're not going to get into all that this morning. This was never designed to be an exhaustive study on any of these points, but the reality is it is a choice. And we can choose not to. Don't relive things over and over. Trust God. He's on your side. The scriptures, uh, which is the point that he continues to make in Matthew, in a Peter's epistle, he writes, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You don't have to live and rehearse disasters before they happen. There's enough disasters that are going to happen on their own. You know, don't, don't relive and worry about things that most of the time never happen anyway. So the good news to the oppressed, is you don't have to be oppressed. Christ cares for us, and we can live free of that. Number two, he says he goes on to bind the brokenhearted. In a Proverbs, we read these words. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Oftentimes, you can be brokenhearted over the simplest of things, and it's real. I mean, just really desiring for something to happen that doesn't happen can break your heart, your, uh, some would say, uh, people who are the most brokenhearted need to learn to lower their expectations a little bit in life because if you're always waiting for everything to be perfect, you're going to walk around brokenhearted all the time. But the reality is, is that's what happens is when things don't turn out the way, it can really hurt us. Something bad happens to someone you love isn't with you anymore. Whatever the thing is, it can create this sense of being brokenhearted. So the good news to the brokenhearted is that uh, he has come to uh, uh, bind up the brokenhearted. Now, when I read that, I was reminded of the parable of the Good Samaritan. I want to look at this very quickly in Luke, the 10th chapter. Jesus said a man was going down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. He's in a bad place. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw the guy, he passed by the other side. He was busy. had to get to church. You know, couldn't stop to help anybody. And likewise, the Levite, when he came to that place, saw him, passed by the other side. He was on his way to a life group. You know, he had to be busy, didn't want to miss the Bible study. You know, we have all kinds of justifications, right, for ignoring people in need. But then a Samaritan was traveling, uh, came near him. Now, this is interesting because Jesus knew they all couldn't stand the Samaritans for a variety of reasons. We won't get into it, but they didn't like him. So he picked one of the ickiest bunch of people that he could imagine and said, here comes the Samaritan. Now, Samaritan. But when the Samaritans saw him, he was moved with pity. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. So he bound up the wounds of the sky. Uh, and then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, said, look, take care of him. And when I come back, I'll repay you for anything more that you have to spend. Here's a guy who was beat up, wounded. Now, undoubtedly, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're in an accident or something, but one thing about people in accidents and in a bad situation is they tend to pray, God help me, God help me. So God helps them, but God doesn't show up himself. He sends the most unlikely of a person to come and help them and to bind up his wounds. Jesus said, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. But we have to understand a lot of time God uses people to do this. Now, you can imagine the story if the guy who's laying there all beat up and sees a Samaritan come along and he says, no, 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 I don't want any help. I don't." Want, and that's what a lot of people do. Oftentimes you're trying to reach out to people and they, they push you away. What can you do? You just keep trying, but at some point you have to open up. And it's kind of uncomfortable for people to become vulnerable, to feel that they need help. But the reality is when you need help, man, you need help. And so, well, I want God to do it. Well... <laughs> God's going to use people. That's why the church is here. That's the power of the church, the Christian community. We're supposed to be there for each other, to carry each other's burdens. So, part of this wonderful prophetic word is the binding up of wounds, and God often uses people to do that. The third one is He says, I've come to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, what is a captive? The idea of a captive is someone who is pressed into service as a slave. So whenever they'd come and they'd conquer an area, they would take captives, and they would turn them all into slaves. And these guys now went from whatever liberty they had in their own land to now being servants and slaves of someone else. They are now held captive. Now, the scripture uses this analogy when it talks about the power of sin in people's lives. Uh, that Satan's uh, comes, sin comes into the world and it makes us slaves to sin. Paul wrote about this when he wrote in his uh, letter to the Romans. He said, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, that's his analogy, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So he's talking about this power of sin and the fact that it creates a degree of slavery. But he goes on to write in the next verse. He says, but thanks be to God that you, having once been slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart. The good news is we don't have to stay slaves of sin. Jesus didn't come just to forgive us of our sins, but he came to save us from the power of sin. It doesn't have to dominate you. Now, nobody gets us right all the time. We all struggle. We all make mistakes and stuff. And and I understand that human condition. But you want to walk in a place where you're walking free and you're not being a slave to sin. Now, one of the things about uh, sin is that we're often convinced that we have to be slaves to sin because of our feelings. And I've talked about this many, many times. And again, we won't get into great detail about this. But you know the good news as a Christian when Christ comes into your life, even though you might still feel the same things, the slavery, slavery to addictions, uh, whatever they might be, uh, the bad things that we're doing, those feelings still stay, but the good news is we don't have to do what we feel. That's the power of the cross. It breaks those feelings. Now, a lot of people think, and I've heard them struggle, you know, you know be it alcoholism or pornography, or, whatever, or I, I just pray that God will take away these feelings. I just, no, 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 that's the wrong prayer. The only way he's going to take away the feelings is to jump on you and squish you, okay, and kill you. That's not his answer, to squish you like a bug. Those feelings are part of that sinful nature in us. The good news is we don't have to do what we feel. But we live in a culture today that says you must do what you feel. If you feel it, you are it. It doesn't, you think you're a chicken? You're a chicken, whatever it is. We, we feel these things, and we feel you have to take a drink, and you have to take a drink. And you feel you have to look at that video, you have to look at that video. If you feel you gotta yell at somebody, you have to. I'm telling you, the good news, we don't have to do what we feel. Thank God for that. And this gets a little confusing because we think, well, I must have to do it because I I feel it. Uh, But the grace of God doesn't come just to cover our mistakes, but to actually keep us away from them. We read in Titus, the second chapter, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live live self-controlled. We can actually control ourselves. Now, without Christ, I get it, man. Sin, the feelings of sins overwhelm you, and man, you're a slave to this stuff, and that's the world around us. People doing all kinds of crazy stuff. But as Christians, we can walk free of that. You say, well, Pastor, why do so many Christians continue to struggle with it? Well, two things. First of all, when you're a slave for a really long time, it's hard to shake that mentality. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they'd been slaves for 400 years. And they struggled terribly because they couldn't shake it. They couldn't shake it. Even though they were free, woo And I'm talking about dramatic fashion. Cecil B. DeMille miracles that were just incredible. But they couldn't get their heads out of it. They kept a slave mentality, and oftentimes that happens. That's why the Bible teaches us to renew our minds, to change the way we think from the way we used to think. Uh, But the other point here says it teaches us to say no. In other words, there's a learning process. That's what, why we're here. That's why we have church. That's why we have all the different ministries of the church. Why? To teach us these things. So don't get discouraged if you don't have everything beaten in your life this morning. There's people who struggle with all kinds of stuff. Uh, the good news is that if you stay plugged in, we can teach you how to do this. And you can live a successful life. Now, I must say, it's hard to learn this when you come to church three times a year, whether you need it or not. All right? There's a lot of people in our... They're all churches this way, but our congregation... Oh, dear Lord. When everybody shows up, there's not enough room for everybody. But everyone kind of just randomly comes to church whenever they feel like it for whatever reasons. But the problem is there's going to be people who are going to continue to struggle. We need to learn how to do this. And the, the grace of God will teach us how to do this so that we can say no to these feelings that are destructive and control ourselves and lead, actually, successful lives. Now, I'm bringing up this next thing. I rarely, if ever, bring up people's personal struggles. And and we got all kinds of stuff that we run into. But uh, we had a situation this last week that was on the news and kind of rattled some people. I don't know if you saw it or not, but now you're going to hear about it. Uh, There was a young man, 19 years old, one of these young guys in our T1 program. He was there for the second year. Uh, The police came when he was here last week and took him away. And turns out that he had been in possession of some child pornography. And, uh, and it's, it's sad. Uh, he will, depending on the mercy of the judge, will probably a minimum do three to possibly ten years at the minimum. There's three counts against them. Each count carries a maximum of 25 years. A minimum of three. Serve concurrently, he'd be three. Otherwise, if not, it'll be a minimum of nine years of his life. Now, some people were alarmed. We'd have someone like, why do we have, don't we do background checks? Yes, we do background checks on everybody. But here's the thing about a background check. If you ain't never got caught, you pass the check. <laughs> All it does is show you the people who've been caught doing things. All right? Now, people struggle. Now, the good news here is that the, the detective said, look, we've checked everything. He's never in. We have no suspicion he's ever acted out in any way. He said, well, are our children in danger? Your children are never in danger. Because no one is ever allowed to be with your children by themselves, ever, in any situation. We have multiple systems, okay? So we don't have a situation where any one person can be off with a child doing anything. So there's never, at any time has any child been at risk at Celebration Church at any of our campuses, we have too many systems that just don't make that happen. We just don't allow it in any way, shape, or form. But the truth is, there's a lot of people that struggle with stuff, and we've met more than one of our former members in jail. We have people in jail for larceny and beating up their spouse. Worst one was one guy was in jail for murder. That's a bad day, you know, going and talking to him. uh, Turned out later he was dismissed. They didn't think it was him, but he was a little freaked out, I got to tell you. And you you don't know what to think, right? So we get all kinds of stuff. Look, Not to creep you out, but you're surrounded by all kinds of creepy people here this morning. (laughs) All right? (laughs) I mean, you just are. You know, you got people, you know, there's adulterers sitting around you. There's fornicators. There's liars. There's cheaters. Alcoholics. Drug abusers. This is church. You know, I know the world loves it. Oh, such and such church found such... Yeah, we're... It's like someone having a news article that someone at the hospital found a sick person. Well, yeah, that's what a hospital is, a place full of sick people. We are a hospital for souls. There's all kinds of people struggling with all kinds of stuff. And we want to help you. I I do want to encourage you young people, some of you older guys, man, this porn thing. Again, the good news, you don't have to do this. Well, I, I really want to. I get you want to. We all want to do all kinds of good things. The good news is if you'll help us teach you this, you can learn you don't have to do it. You just don't. You don't have to be an alcoholic. You don't have to do all these things. We can show you how to do it. But just warn you. When you and, and I know a lot of people, especially people anywhere near my age, born in the 1800s, you know, we, we think porn is just naked people. Oh, it's way, man, what well, used to be porn, now you can just see on TV. All right? That's what they think, porn. That's, I'm telling you, it is sick at a level you can't even get your head around. It is bad. It is really, really bad. And you know how you can jump around sites and stuff like that? You push the wrong link. You're on one of these sites, and they are tracking these sites. And they will come, and they will haul your butt and throw you into jail. You young people, stay away from this stuff. It's poison. It is not a positive thing. It is a dangerous situation. And the rest of y'all, mind stay away from it. You don't need to do this stuff. And uh, you don't want to be in a situation where somebody comes knocking on your door and hauling you off because you hit some sites that you weren't supposed to be hitting. This is a poisonous, dangerous thing. And I know there's guys in here right now. You were looking at porn last night. I get it. We're trying to teach you how to not live this way. Man, life is so much better without these addictions and things that pull us into dark places. But don't be shocked when you find out somebody connected with our church or any church has been known to be doing bad things. It's what we do. We are there to help people who are really struggling. The good news is we can proclaim liberty to these captives. You don't have to live this way. And we'll show you how not to do it. But we can't do that all this morning. And then finally, the release of prisoners. Now, one thing about being in prison is the sense, I don't know if you've ever been in jail. I won't raise, <laughs> let's get raise your hands. <laughs> I was in jail once. I was, Pastor Joe and I got in trouble because we were, we were out talking to people about Jesus back in the 1970s, back when the dinosaurs still roamed the earth. And uh, <clears throat> we were in some mall and we were talking to people about Jesus. I was sitting at this thing, I had my Bible, and I was talking. And this cop comes up to me and says, Is that your Bible? I said, Yeah. He says, Come with me, you're under arrest. Because somebody complained that we were bugging people, apparently. So I don't Anyway, they threw our butts in jail. And uh, I remember sitting in the cell. And this guy's in the cell right next to me, and I said, Hey, <laughs> hey, you know, prisoner talk, you know. <laughs> I've never asked anybody this, but I went, uh, So, uh, what you in for? <laughs> he goes, I killed somebody. I went, Ah, they have me next to a murderer? Come on. But it's creepy being in these places. And you feel, you know, especially if you've been in the days, months, weeks, years, you feel like you will never get out. Here's the good news is you can get out of whatever prison you're in. We don't have time with it because I've been rambling too much. But if we had time to look at the story of Joseph, Joseph wound up in prison for things he didn't do. And this is prison 4,000 years ago. This isn't Brown County lockup. This is bad. He was there for what seemed like an eternity years upon years. That morning, he woke up. The Pharaoh calls for him to come up. Not time to, not to tell you the whole story. But by the end of the day, he was the, one of the wealthiest, most powerful men in the world. He was actually the second most powerful man in the world. And that transition happened in one day. He woke up that morning in chains and filth and everything. By the end of that day, he was the second most powerful man in the world. Here's the good news. Whatever prison you're in, God can break you of that prison. And when he sets you free from that prison, and it can happen in a day, in a day he can turn. There's good news here this morning. That's what the prophet proclaimed. The spirit of God is upon me. He's anointed me. He sent me to bring good news to the oppressed to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward now at our various campuses. Get ready to serve communion this morning. We're going to turn, uh, as we close the service, our hearts to why we're here. We're here because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross for us 2,000 years ago. His body was broken for us so that we could be made whole. His blood was shed so that we could have... Forgiveness of sins and to be set free from whatever situation we're in. And while we're talking in this season of Advent about the coming of Christ, the big question I have, of course, for you this morning I don't know if it's your first time here or whether you're watching on the internet, television, whatever, uh, visiting our various campuses, but my question to you is Have you experienced this Advent in you? Has Christ come into your life? How does that happen? You open your heart, you ask Him to come in and start this wonderful. Process of liberation, of freedom, of empowering you to walk free from all the poisons that are in the world. If you've never done that, I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads with us. We're going to pray a prayer together, and I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer along with me. If you'll mean this from the bottom of your heart, you can take your first steps of faith this morning. Say, Dear Jesus, I invite you to come into my life, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come now, Lord Jesus, create an advent in me. Amen.